There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Wednesday, September 14th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, we're learning of yet another mistake by DC's 911 call center that caused a delayed emergency response. A man having a heart attack, walking to get a prescription, died despite three calls to 911 for help. We talk about the incident and the state of D.C.'s 911 call center with the man who broke the story, longtime safety advocate Dave Statter. They're moving backwards. They keep making the same mistakes. And that really has to stop if we care enough about the people out there and their well-being. And we'll bring you a new batch of ideas in this week's DMV Dates. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. Luke is off this week. There's no telling what difference it would have made if emergency responders came rushing to Kennedy Street Northwest when Jesse Kyle first collapsed and a friend called for help, or if they'd come after the second call, four minutes later. But we do know the 69-year-old did not survive his heart attack. The delayed response on September 2nd that we're just learning about is the latest mistake by D.C.'s Office of Unified Communications, which runs the city's 911 call center. Joining me now is safety advocate Dave Satter of Dave Satter 911, who broke the story and has covered issues at OUC for years. Dave, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Megan. Dave, as you know, in the last six months, there have been at least five people who were in the last moments of their life and waiting for the ambulance to get there and passed away. Tell us what happened on Kennedy Street and, and what went wrong. This was a call that was just lost at 911. It got lost for 11 minutes. Essentially, what happened is a man who was walking with Jesse Kyle, who's 69 years old, says Jesse Kyle collapsed right in front of him. They were friends. They were headed to pick up his prescriptions at the CVS near Kennedy Street and Georgia Avenue and collapsed in the alley. The man calls 911, talks to them, has the impression they're trying to get help for him, but help doesn't come. He calls again. Wow. Says, where's the help? And they said, oh, it's on the way. But what really had happened at 911 is they made a mistake. Um, and this has been confirmed by city officials and my own reporting and, and talking to the witnesses and, and looking at various sources of information. Essentially, wh- what happened was, is initially, apparently the call taker thought this might be a low priority call and was ready to send this to the nurse triage line and hit the button to do so. Mm-hmm. They're still talking to the person. But somewhere along the line, they didn't follow the protocol when they quickly realized this was not a a nurse triage call, which are low priority calls. This was a high priority call. This man had collapsed. So they were going to send it for dispatch right away. But unfortunately, it didn't go to dispatch. And we don't know exactly why other than protocols weren't followed. It just sat in limbo. And when the man called back a second time, it was a different dispatcher who saw the first call in there. And apparently assumed it went to dispatch and didn't really look at it closely, mm. but it hadn't. It was sitting somewhere between dispatch and the nurse triage line, and nobody was looking at it. And that was the big mistake. Uh, on, on your website, there is a, you can hear the call for yourself. Here's a clip of it from openmegahertz.com. 
Communication three, just 24, medic 24. 24. Uh, we got second call of some from the same address. Uh, patient is in the alley. Uh, we're checking them out now. Four five. The city says protocols weren't followed. They've done retraining on those protocols. The man, unfortunately, who who died, his friend says um, he feels that DC 911 didn't have heart or compassion. And he complained right away. said, what took you guys so long? And the really sad thing is the fire department is only six blocks away. And fire and EMS were there. And wow. according to the man who called 911, the firefighter said, we weren't doing anything. They just didn't tell us about it. I feel like a lot of these instances, when we hear about them, you can almost put yourself there and think, you know, 11 minutes sounds like a long time to you and me right now. When you are in a, a life and death moment, 11 minutes is an eternity. Something that I seem to have learned in another lifetime, it's a half century ago when I was a young firefighter, that people in an emergency, they think it takes a half hour, an hour to get there when you really gotten there in four or five minutes. Mm -hmm. But when you have a call that's a cardiac arrest call and you're taking 11 minutes to get it just dispatched. It is an eternity because it can mean the difference between life and death. Mr. Kyle's friend who was with him and the woman who passed by a few minutes later, both say that he was breathing when they called. But by the time the dispatch and got there, he definitely was not. It was in cardiac arrest. We can't say anybody would have been saved by this. But when you have a cardiac arrest call and you lose 11 minutes, you're on the losing side of that call. Yeah. And Kyle did pass away. You mentioned, Dave, that in the last six months, there have been five deaths after responders were delayed. Um, were any of those because of the, the wrong address or because of, you know, that nursing line being rerouted or missed? This is the first one I've heard about with the nursing line, but they did lose another call. Uh, this was a, a child um, in in Northwest on Park Road who was left in a car accidentally by a parent mm. and the car child was in cardiac arrest. And they lost that call for another reason for about eight minutes before anybody was dispatched to help. They originally sent somebody, uh, fire and EMS units, not EMS units, just fire units to help get somebody out of a, a car that they were locked in, the child locked in the car, but they lost the fact that the child was in cardiac arrest. And even though they sent police right away, they didn't send fire and EMS for another eight minutes. Uh, D.C. officials have said that the protocol in the Kyle case, um, the man having a heart attack on Kennedy Street, was not followed. They've done retraining on when to send to the nurse triage line. Um, last year, a scathing report came out uh, and found the call center was, quote, struggling to dispatch crews to correct locations and failing to meet national standards. A follow-up audit was released earlier this month that said only minimal progress had been made at OUC. I mean, the, the quote that stood out to me from Kathy Patterson, the, the auditor, was the agency was, quote, failing to meet the needs of district residents, period. What do you make of this, Dave? I know you followed it for a long time. The fact that they were audited and now there hasn't really been that much progress. And you have to understand, Kathy Patterson's done a wonderful job with the audit. I'm glad they're there. They actually took my reporting and asked me to present to her staff before they made the decision to do this audit. That was in, uh, I believe, August of 2020. Um, so they're doing a wonderful job trying to hold some people accountable and trying to get reforms to the agency. But this has been going on a long time. I mean, you've been chronicling these these mistakes for years. I mean, more than a few years. And we've, yeah. all been, we've all been covering this, you more so than anyone else. Why do you think that these failures continue to happen despite these audits, despite the follow up, despite the, the awareness of council members and the mayor? What's the problem here? I think one of the problems that people don't understand 911, 
my feeling is the council always threw money at, at the 911 center. Hmm. They didn't invest in the people. And I think that's where the failure was because they're good people that work there. They need better management. They need better mo more money. They need better training. They need better policies. All those things are needed. And certainly they need better leadership at the top because it isn't working. But this isn't just the fault of the Bowser administration. As you said, I've been covering this for a long time. My stories, your dad's stories, other stories from other people. We all created this agency because there are previous problems with 911. Yeah. So th this is this is a longstanding problem. But the, the issue is the Bowser administration doesn't seem to be moving forward. And I think that's the big problem right now. They're moving backwards. They brought in the leader back who was there for five years and didn't make the changes. The audit has made that very clear. Uh, this person hasn't been confirmed by the council, thanks to your reporting. We know that. But what's going to happen? They need strong leadership. They haven't had a permanent leader here for uh, like two years now, you yeah. know, and since, since December of 2020. It's an acting leader, right? Acting director right now. Previously, they called it the interim director for a year. So it's getting on two years and they need to have some good leadership that's going to move this agency forward. And WTOPS reached out to Mayor Bowser's office for comments on this, on this story and just generally the state of OUC and the fact that this continues to happen after the audit that came out uh, earlier this month and have not received a response. You know, Dave, some of these stories just stick with you. I think as reporters, you have, you know, you're covering something new every single day and sometimes it feels like a grind, but sometimes stories really hit at your heart. And one of those for me was involving an OUC uh, mistake, Sheila Shepard, uh, back oh. in November 2020. Um, an ambulance took 20 minutes to arrive at a northeast home where she was having a heart attack um, after OUC directed an ambulance to the wrong quadrant of the city. And I spoke with her mother, uh, Billy Shepard, after she died. This is what she had to say. She was just a wonderful, wonderful mother to her daughter. This this just should have never happened. To have a 13-year-old child trying to do um, chest pumps and all of that, and the child saying, when will they be here? They should be there shortly. They're on their way. It took them 30 minutes, and I will never understand. That 13-year-old daughter did everything we could expect of her of a 13-year-old. She did CPR on her mom. She was told, help us on the way. But the really, to me, was the most, which was the cruelest thing that happened here, is for five months, the city didn't admit a mistake. I reported this story four days after it happened. I didn't know anything other than they went to the wrong address. DC Fire and EMS was sent to the wrong address. Yeah. Didn't know why. I didn't know if the child made the mistake or 911 did. And for five months, they let that family hang with not knowing that information for sure. It only came out because Communications Daily, a national publication, followed up on my story, did a FOIA, and somehow got the 911 call. Can you confirm the address? We are at four. The caller says this is not the proper address. Correction, Oglethorpe Street, Northeast Cross of Fifth. If, if that hadn't happened, we still probably wouldn't know a definitive answer because they were not transparent, and I think that they were really did not serve that family well at all. It's just unconscionable. And you know it's going to happen again. Might have, might have already been happening. But OUC also has wins. I mean, last month, DC Fire and EMS were honored in a ceremony um, for helping a man named Craig Kramer, who called 911 when his fiance was having a heart attack. And a call taker named Janae Bailey talked him through CPR. And, you know, Chief John Donnelly of DC Fire and EMS said... Deborah Lappin survived because of that help. I mean, it's not all bad news here, Dave, right? I mean, there are some good people in that agency. What do you think is, is really the fallout? 
People don't go to work at 911 saying, I'm going to make a mistake today that's going to ruin somebody's life. They're trying to do the best they, they can. Uh, when the Bowser administration started, I was on a panel in the council where the union had said we need better training. That's needed. Better pay is needed. Most importantly, better management, better leadership at the agency, better protocols, better quality assurance. All those things that are talked about in the auditor's report are needed. But it's not necessarily the people that work there. They're not bad people. Some of them are very good at what they do. And I don't want to, when I do these interviews and often gets lost in interviews, I always try to say that. Uh, you received a statement from the deputy mayor for public safety, Chris Geldart, um, in response to Jesse Kyle's death and, and the delay that uh, preceded it um, that said in part, quote, I'm confident from immediately after the call and succeeding days, we located everywhere where we departed from protocol or had an issue from this call and have identified appropriate fixes and put those in place. The thing that I got from that is that they were aware of it right away. So somebody was self-reporting that we made a mistake. Many of these, we don't know for sure. But in this case, it appears that actually they turned themselves and said, we made a mistake here. Let's look into it. According to the deputy mayor, they started looking at it right away. That's good. That's mm -hmm. important. They have to look at their mistakes, but they also need to be transparent. It'd be great if they would tell on themselves rather than reporters have to uncover this. It would be great if we had more transparency and openness. I mean, listen, every agency and every workplace makes mistakes, right? But when you're making a mistake at a 911 call center, th the consequences go from nothing to everything. So and every 911 center makes a mistake. They yeah. make mistakes. But They're they have human. to learn from them. Mm -hmm. We see the same type of mistakes. Let me give you an, an, another example that doesn't really make the headlines. One thing I uncovered when I started really looking at this in 2020, and I didn't know this was happening. They weren't answering the emergency radio traffic at, at DC 911. I have, I have now uh, logged more than two dozen incidents where that has happened, where they're not answering the radios for many minutes at a time. This is a lifeline for police and fire and EMS and for the public. And the problem seemed to have been solved last year, but it started again. There have been six cases since April. So they're moving backwards. They keep making the same mistakes. And that really has to stop if we care enough about the people out there and their well-being. Well, hopefully, the, the, I don't even know what to call it. It's It almost feels like COVID fatigue where people don't jump to alert anymore. We've been covering this for so long and you've been covering it for so much longer that, you know, I think that there is a, a sense of, oh, it's just another mistake, but these mistakes have life and death consequences. So we appreciate your work and, and appreciate your expertise. There's an oversight hearing on uh, Kyle's passing and OUC's response to it on September 28th to discuss sort of the state of the district's 911 call center and, and what went wrong. And I know you'll be covering it, as will we. I may even testify if I have the time again. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're a true journalist. I'm an advocacy type journalist, um, you know. All my stuff is factual, but I, I state my opinion, as you can hear here. I, I have tried to focus on trying to make positive change here, and I have no problem testifying if I have something to say. Dave Statter of Dave Statter 911, thank you very much for your time. And thank you, Megan. Always appreciate when you're on the story. And after the break, another round of DMV dates for you. This time we've got sort of a fruity theme. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. 
That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. Guys, guess who's here in the studio with us for an awesome DMV date segment? It's Rosie. She's back. <laughs> Rosie's like, it's me. I'm, it's I'm me. here. Um, thank you for doing this. Luke is, of course, in France. Oh, en France. En français. <laughs> so we need to, um, you know, have a couple guests in to do DMV, which we love having. Um, okay, so we have a little, maybe some field trips here. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Usually. yours is farther and mine's a little bit farther. Okay, yeah. so why don't you start? Okay. All right, so this is a date that I actually put together a couple weeks ago and then loved the idea of it so much I took myself, I took my own <laughs> advice and I, I, I took went, myself on a date. I went on a date to this, on this, um, not all of it, but some of it. So you're going to start your date off with a hike at Schaefer Farms Park, which is, it's near Darnstown, Maryland. So okay. you're getting kind of like northwest of the district. Yeah, but, but it's not, 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 not too far. It's not like what, you know, like 20 minutes? Yeah. It's 25 minutes away. Easy drive. Okay. So this park, it looks great. I haven't been. I understand there might be some mountain biking there, so check the schedule before you go so you don't get hit. But it sounds like they have beautiful trails. You can do a one-mile hike. You can do a six-mile hike, anywhere in between. Ooh. Um, I like that. that. Sometimes when you sign up for the big hike, oh, and then you're like, you're like halfway through, miles. and you're like, mm. Can you dump off here at any point? That's good that you can kind of choose your own adventure there. And always underestimate your own abilities. (laughs) (laughs) So after you've gone for a not too strenuous hike, head over to Windridge Vineyards. I went here. Oh, my God. It is beautiful. It's up on the like, I don't remember what these mountains are called. There's like little hills. Yeah. And you can see for miles around and they have these beautiful Adirondack chairs that are like set up on the hill and you get... Your bottle of wine, your charcuterie board, two glasses, and you go set up in the Adirondack chairs and watch the sunset. Like, are you kidding me? I've lived this. It's real. It's amazing. <laughs> so I, I can't recommend Windridge Vineyards enough. And start it off with a little hike just to get your exercise in. Yeah. And, of course, my fun fact, I was reading the Wikipedia page for this town in Maryland because... Darnstown. Darnstown, Maryland. That darn town. <laughs> was almost like the trade mecca of... Of a town off of the CNL Canal, so it's near the CNL Canal. Oh, um, and it, it was gonna be like this big bustling city with all this trade and merchants and stuff. But then they built the railroad and they bypassed Darnstown, Maryland, and it just became a ghost town. Oh and my like, god! Everyone moved out and they closed the post office and all this stuff. And then um, in the seventies, uh, rich people moved out there with their horses, and okay. now it's an equestrian town. <laughs> and now there are wineries and rolling <laughs> hills. Just you know, a little fun fact about the. Economy of Darnestown and a beautiful hike and a beautiful winery. That is a solid date, Rosie Hughes. Thank I you. love it. <laughs> Mine is in Virginia. Okay. It's out in Fauquier County. Fauquier. So actually, that's a little bit more of a drive. It's like 45 minutes mm-hmm. um, from the Beltway, so depending on where you're you're coming from. But it could be like an hour um, to Holland Farm. Ooh. Mine is also a sort of agriculturally themed <laughs> date. Um, it is not wine. Okay. We're getting there, <laughs> obviously. It's me. Um, Holland Farm for apple picking. Oh, yes. It's in Delaplaine. Tis the season. It's in Delaplaine, Virginia. Um, this family farm is fourth generation family farm. They have, pe- well, apple picking, but they also have, you can pick your own peanuts. What? You can dig your own <laughs> potatoes. You can pick your fall greens, your arugula, your broccoli, what have you. 
sunflowers. And then, of course, pumpkins and gourds if you're ready for that. I'm not ready for that quite yet. Um, But, yeah, so this family has owned this this farm forever. And you can get, like, Golden Delicious, Ida Red Fuji apples. Uh The best ones. Yeah. And just it's supposed to be, like, 60 degrees this weekend. It's going to be perfect. Perfect. So you drive out there. You do a little apple picking. It sounds like there's not a – I could be wrong, so don't hold me to this. But it sounds like there's not a um, fee to get in. There's just a fee for, mm. like, what you buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, you're in wine country, so you're heading to a winery, mm-hmm. as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Barrel Oak Winery is awesome. I can vouch for it. And they have nice little, like – you can get, like, a charcuterie board, which Luke just learned about recently, if you heard that episode, <laughs> which did. makes me laugh. <laughs> Um, but you could also get like, you know, little sandwiches, whatever, get a little lunch or dinner, early dinner, a glass of wine, same deal. Watch the sunset. I mean, the, the views are so gorgeous mm-hmm. there. It's almost hard to drive sometimes. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, look at that. And you're like, oh, wait, I should be watching the road. <laughs> so. Sounds amazing. Megan, are we going on a DMV say, date tonight? What are you doing on? No. I mean, I think it'll be. Also, this is my fun fact. I should say the fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, Fauquier County, which I didn't know, was named after Francis Fauquier. Mm. who was the Virginia governor from 1758 to 1768. He literally mm. just did it for a decade and got a county named after him. <laughs> Good on you, Francis. Go, Francis. So there you go. Wow. There are your DMV dates this week, guys. I hope you enjoy them. Rosie, thanks for being here. Of course. Filling in. Doing the good work. And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We are sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance and let us know if you go on that date. Of course, you can become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen in D.C. on 103.5 FM, in Virginia at 107.7 FM, in Frederick, Maryland at 103.9 FM, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a good night.